0: The Coffee Podcast is sponsored by KitchenAid, whose craft coffee line is changing the way coffee is brewed at home.
1: KitchenAid worked with baristas and coffee
0: experts to engineer a new line of coffee brewers. The KitchenAid Precision Press Coffee Maker enhances the classic French press brewing method with an integrated scale and timer to precisely brew a bold, full-bodied cup of coffee.
1: KitchenAid. Life tastes better with coffee.
0: You're listening to The Coffee Podcast, where our focus is people, and our language is coffee. I'm Weston Peterson. And I'm Jesse Hartman. West brings the quality. And Jesse brings the cafe. Today's coffee talk, real talk. And it's good to be back here for another week of Coffee Talk. And
1: uh, you'll notice it's a little different this episode if it's not your first radio with us. Uh, We are excited to be featuring some of KitchenAid's homebrew equipment that they've recently uh, released. And uh, we will provide a link to that equipment. Uh, Wes, how about you talk a little bit about uh, what we brewed with today?
0: That's right. Uh, We were actually brewing uh, this Kenya AA on KitchenAid's Precision Press. Now this thing's got an integrated scale and timer. And let me tell you, it looks good in chrome. Yeah. For what, for, 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 so if you've got chrome
1: appliances... There was this guy I saw driving on the road. He had like a Z06 Corvette. Oh, yeah. no, it was the new Corvette. What is it called? I don't remember, but it was all chrome. And I feel like he he needs to have this precision press because it would go so well with his Corvette.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised.
1: Anyway, so today is real talk. Not like what just happened, but what's about to happen. And That's right. we're going to kind of cover the uh, spectrum of... Ideas that kind of happen to you as you enter into the coffee industry. It might depend on where you enter, but we're going to kind of give our own personal stories about how our perceptions have changed, about um, different topics. Uh, One in in focus a lot, which is going to be sustainability and how that's really changed.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be actually kicking off the episode with doing a little surprise interview, Jesse. What? I'm interviewing you.
1: Okay, surprise on the spot.
0: This legitimately is a surprise. So, when you were first getting into coffee,
1: <clears throat> Hold I want to let that. me let me grab my coffee. Here, here, grab a
0: grab a sip of your coffee here. Okay. What was driving you? What was attractive to you in coffee that made you want to continue going down the path? Uh, that you were going or for, let's, let's start with your first job, perhaps. What about your first in coffee? In, yeah.
1: yeah. So, funny enough, my first job in coffee, um, was kind of unintentional. I, there was a, a chain, actually a coffee chain that, uh, I would go to on the regular and I really enjoyed going there. Uh, the people knew my name. They actually did a really excellent job at making me feel, uh, like I was taken care of, which I think is excellent hospitality. And the manager actually approached me one day. I was already working like three jobs. And he approached me and he's like, hey, um, you seem like a really nice person. Like, you know, I get along with you really well. Would you like a job here? And I was like, Uh, you know, at this, at this point, so you didn't really have any, I mean at home I was, uh, I had roommates who were really, uh, you know, they were brewing coffee. They were telling me, Hey, yeah, like there's this cool ways, cool different ways to brew coffee. One was the percolator. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I really like my coffee experience at that rate was like Dunkin' Donuts. And, uh, you know, my, my dad and I used to, to go, go eat breakfast every weekend and I'd have a cup of coffee at the diner. So diner coffee essentially is what I grew up on. Yeah. So no real like desire to be in coffee. Um, that was definitely, that seed was planted in my first coffee job at that chain for sure.
0: I just want to ask, um, when you first started this coffee job, what were some of the difficulties that you faced and what were some of the the joys and the victories that you also faced? So for
1: me, again, it wasn't very coffee folk. It's weird to say this because of where I am now, but when I first got into coffee, it was just kind of like, hey, this is a job. I want to do a good I want to do well at this job. And uh, the chain I worked at was pretty good about getting you excited about the coffee. Um, they had cards and all and things like that to say, hey, this coffee's from Ethiopia. There was, not, there was no, like, transparency to the farm level, but it was just like, hey, this coffee's from here, and you should take notes of what you taste. And it was very, it was semi-robotic at the time. I wouldn't have noticed, but I noticed now, like, yeah, you know, my manager was kind of doing his job really well and just saying what was on the tasting note cards. You know what I mean? And so, uh, don't get me wrong, he was an excellent manager. Um, but my mind was not focused towards coffee. It was a lot more about, like, Guest interactions and how fast can I make things and how fast can I take people's orders and how fast how fast how fast how fast not thinking anything about sustainability not thinking anything about really quality yeah I'm um, just thinking about hey I want to meet somebody's desire to drink a cup right now as fast as possible and we are very good at that
0: now when did you start to notice your mindset uh, shifting more towards uh, let's just say the quality of cup, when did you start to realize, oh, there's something else out there? So
1: funny enough, my story is kind of um, weird because one of my roommates, I had many roommates, uh, that's its own story, but one of my many roommates was like, hey, you have to try this shop in town. The coffee is really amazing. And to, the, to this day, it's kind of been one of my favorite shops. Um, and so I went in uh, to the coffee shop Uh, with one of my other roommates, and it was our first time into this environment. It was specialty coffee, actually. I was still working at that chain. Um, And so this was kind of like, you know, I'm kind of like crossing grounds here. And so, uh, you know, I ended up going in and we ordered cups of coffee. We sat down together. We were kind of like, oh, wow, I've not seen coffee made this way before. And I took a sip and whatever it was, probably something very citrusy and light, hated it. Is that right? Yeah, I hated my first cup of specialty coffee. Wow. Granted, you know, maybe the guy who made it messed up. Maybe, like, I don't know, but what was I supposed to expect? Like, I knew what coffee was to me before that. Um, in fact, I can tell you exactly what I used to drink. It was a like a, a small, maybe like an eight ounce, which is funny because I like, I still like that concentrated kind of thing. It was like an eight ounce espresso beverage with milk and raw sugar. Like, that's what I liked. Yeah. Um, and so, funny enough maybe this is too much information, but I actually did a diet that forced a lot of sugar out of my diet. And my I noticed my palate was a lot more refined after like 30 plus days. And I went back to that coffee shop just to like, whatever, just to try it again.
0: The um, specialty coffee shop. Yeah. The
1: special, I'm sorry. Yeah. The specialty coffee shop. And, uh, they had an El Salvadorian coffee, uh, that I got, I think in an Americano actually. And, uh, I remember I I got into my Jeep, I put the cup down in my cup holder and the aromatics were incredible, like so fruity and amazing. And it was right after that when I tasted the coffee and it matched exactly how it smelled. It was like one of those like very unique experiences with coffee. Um, It doesn't happen very often where coffee really smells like it like fulfills its uh, uh, kind of destiny based on how it smells.
0: Fills its own shoes.
1: Yeah, and I actually, I had to take my Jeep to the shop that day. There were thunderstorms, um, yeah, thunderstorms, and I walked um, to that coffee shop again that evening just so I could have that cup of coffee again. True story.
0: Um, so this was, this was the, the the point in your life when you realized coffee can be better than my own preconceived ideas of what coffee was right when did um, now when did that mindset bleed over into the fact that coffee was bigger than you thought that it was
1: coffee was bigger um i suppose you're talking about you know sustainability and oh i'm just talking about the the supply chain supply chain that sort of stuff i think you know before before a lot of us, um, who start as baristas, before a lot of us really get into the deep end of the pool, we um we think coffee just comes from, you know, Starbucks or big roasteries, so like Maxwell House or things like that. And that's where we think coffee comes from. Like we we don't think beyond oh, where does it come from before that? Now Starbucks is actually really good about communicating, hey, this is from a farm, and there's farmers and when you walk into a Starbucks a lot of the time there's like murals on the wall. Yeah. And uh, and, uh, you know, people's hands are in um, a basket of of very ripe cherries and like the images are very uh, enticing. Um, But I honestly, when I was working at the chain, I don't feel like that picture was drawn out at all. It wasn't until I really got into tasting different regions that I realized, oh, this coffee is from, for example, El Salvador. So that means there's there's a farm out there that like makes this amazing coffee. And then I start, you know, you kind of piece it together after a while. Once you start trying all the coffees and you realize how expansive the coffee industry is just in regions, just in like where you can get it from. Yeah. Then you start to go, wait, there's processes? Like, what do you mean it's natural?
0: Yeah. Then you start and, asking and the questions. Yeah.
1: yeah. Lucky for me, I never got caught in what I think can be a trap for some people, which is organic. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm not saying that it's a total trap, but I think it it can stop you in your tracks if you're not careful. It can be one of those things where it's like... Oh yeah, organic's the only good thing. Therefore, that's all I drink, and then you stop yourself from trying a lot of really amazing coffees. Right. Um, but um, I was lucky enough to to hit the natural boat, you know, with the Ethiopian, like a lot of people, and my mind was blown. But to this day, natural Ethiopians are not my favorite. <laughs> you know. You know, taste change. Yeah. But being able to know, hey, there's a process, which means people are doing this differently, which means people are involved. And highlight, highlight, highlight. People are involved. People are involved. That's when my brain started ticking in those ways. I became really obsessed with not only just learning more, but educating others about what I was learning. Uh, and like, I was so obsessed with making great coffee. Um, and and it was like kind of like a bug. Like once you catch it, and you've caught that bug. Oh yeah. Like once you catch that bug, like you want to make great coffee for everybody. It it immediately. What's interesting about coffee is that once you have the skills to make it a great cup of it, you uh, want to share it with other people. Like you want to start making coffee for other people. Anything that's really unique to coffee itself.
0: Uh, that's great. What would you consider to be uh, an invaluable resource for people who want to expand their knowledge of coffee processing, for one, uh, perhaps... Uh, coffee brewing another yeah D- is there some sort of resource is there some sort of uh yeah resource that helped you along your journey
1: yeah i'm going to i'm going to cover a few resources um one is an obvious one it can be your great enemy or your great friend and that's true almost with anything in life is the internet um use the internet and research what you can on the internet but you also have to be careful so um I can we can link below some some good resources for hey like hey go read this this is good stuff. Um, there's also forums you can get tied up in where people are just arguing back and forth about nonsense, and that's true about anything on the internet. So um, a really great resource for me as well, or something that really got me into the barista side was the barista handbook, um, which was a very popular uh, book around the time that that I uh, was really into being a barista. Uh, I can also link to that below. It basically, the moment, if you're a science freak, the moment you start to realize there's a lot of science going on, it it's going to become a problem for you in a good yeah. way. Um, and so uh, there's plenty of resources. For a lot of shops, uh, roasters will offer educational material because they want you to be making their coffee in the best way possible so that the guest tastes their coffee in the best way possible. Um, so I would say take advantage of the opportunities that your roasters might give you. in um, roasters, I would encourage you to uh, be involved in those sorts of programs. Like be involved in your shops because if your shops are making bad coffee, that's its own conversation. But if your coffee's tasting good on your table, but then it's served to a guest and it doesn't taste very good, that doesn't do you any any good at all. So um, but anyway, that's all to say. You know these kinds of conversations even are 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 facilitating larger thought about hey the industry is a lot bigger like I just mentioned you know baristas roasters yada yada,
0: sure. Well, that's great. I mean, I think we each have our own story and how we got into uh, coffee. What was attractive to us at the time, um, and for me, what was attractive about coffee, I think, was the. The science behind it was the art behind it. Uh, when I first got into coffee, I was introduced by this Italian gentleman that walked into the store I was working at. And he pointed down on the floor, bottom shelf, there was this little Italian stove uh, stovetop espresso maker? It's not even really an espresso. It's a percolator is what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's the same thing I, I was using. And I remember I took that thing home. And immediately started to look up espresso-based beverages. I started to learn how to make con panas. I was making lattes, you know, um, affogatos. You know, I I really kind of started to fall in love with this what I would consider craft coffee. You know, I was like, oh, well, I can make something that I would get at Starbucks here in my own home. You know, the whipped cream sort of stuff, which led me. To uh, seek out my first barista position it was at this small little uh, cafe and tucked away in this little uh, marketplace, uh, and that's where I got really into latte art. And I think latte art really is what was kind of driving me for for a bit. And that's what kind of fired my passion because uh, being able to hone in on a skill set which mine, I guess, when I first started, was this this latte art, creating rosettas and tulips and uh, trying to make the coffee look very appealing was something that I was passionate about. Um, you know, but at the time, I wanted to learn everything about coffee. One of the big resources for me was YouTube. Uh, Intelligentsia has very many videos of how to brew coffee with a siphon. I used to look up latte art videos all the time, and that's how I stumbled upon these barista training tutorials mm-hmm. where Intelligentsia was showing you how to brew with a siphon. If you've seen one of those things, they're like mad science house type gear.
1: Look like something from the Goosebumps. Yeah, maybe.
0: and uh, and they're showing you how to make cappuccinos. And man, and that's that's when I saw. That's when I was introduced uh, into what I would consider to be the third wave of coffee. Looking cool. at their cafe, there was glass over the entire countertop. Their espresso machines were all like wood-paneled La Marzocos. The way they cleaned the, the steam wand and you know their aprons and their towels and just everything about the way they crafted their espresso to the way they steamed their milk to the way they poured their cappuccino. It was eye-opening. And I realized, wow, coffee is a craft. Right. Coffee is a a skill. It's a it's a specialty.
1: Now let me let me ask you some questions and putting you on the spot. So you didn't you didn't you know watch a YouTube video about latte art, go to sleep, and wake up the next morning thinking, is coffee sustainable? No, not at all. So how did how did you how did you get to that point? And yeah, let's go there.
0: Yeah, I would say. First, once I started to hone in on my latte art skills and I kind of discovered this uh, third wave of coffee culture, I wanted to start trying to do it all. And that, I started to try and do my own home roasting with a little popcorn maker and and beans from Sweet Maria's. Um, And, you know, I wasn't really a very successful home roaster at the time, but I tried Um, and you know, at the time I, uh, it still hadn't really dawned on me. You know, I was just excited to get my hands on green coffee. Right. And that was a thing. I was like, Whoa, this is coffee before it's roasted. Like, wow, who has this? Right. Mm -hmm. It was, it was, I mean, the entire experience of coffee for me has been one surprise after another, like, Whoa, there's coffee. I can make it at home. Oh, wow. There's this latte art. I can make it look pretty. Oh, wow. There's this you know, science, coffee culture behind it. Oh, wow, now I can roast my own beans. And it's just like surprise after surprise after surprise when I I started really digging deep into all that coffee had to offer. Um, You know, but it wasn't until my my next barista position uh, where I really got into, I got away from the milk-based beverages. I mean, I was still pulling Latte Arts and I was doing, you know, barista- Uh, Thursday night throwdowns and stuff and that was my jam and I loved training other baristas but uh, it wasn't until I tried a bag of coffee from Stumptown and it was an Ethiopian washed because I don't believe Stumptown did naturals at the time but I brewed a cup of Stumptown using a Chemex and that is what brought me away from milk based beverages and that's when I really started to uh, get crazy about trying different types of origins and ordering coffee from these roasters online. Yeah, I think one of the biggest resources for me, though, getting into coffee was community. Because I loved coffee so much, and I still do, that I started to Instagram about the stuff. And
1: Yeah, wait, can I pause you there? Because I remember when you started instagramming
0: is that right yeah yeah
1: we we met at a at a shop in town and wes and i were just talking about whatever life things this is way before the podcast and i remember you you showed me your phone and you're looking at me and you're like hey man like i've like deleted all my pictures on my instagram i'm gonna start afresh and it's gonna be all coffee stuff and i remember thinking to myself (laughs) what is he doing (laughs) like that is ridiculous and now we look at it now and it's like, oh, wow, it's, you know, it's quite a catalog.
0: Instagram is has such a large coffee community. In fact, that's all I see on my Instagram feed.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Actually, this is just a little tidbit. But today I was I was mentioning to somebody, hey, yeah, Instagram. They're like, yeah, I never get on it anymore because yada yada. And I was like, is it only coffee people on Instagram these days? Like, I don't know.
0: But it's a, it's a way of like really becoming a part of something larger than yourself. And for me, that's what I needed because... Let me tell you, I met a lot of great people, a lot of influential people through this avenue, through this vessel. And I would consider Instagram to be, if you want it to be, a form of networking.
1: No, it is. You you doubt. post
0: these photos and you're talking about what you're brewing and you've got people commenting. And then, you know, you've got people supporting you and you start asking people questions about how they brew. And before you know it, you start to really immerse yourself in this community and it's when you get a part of that community it could be Instagram it could be Twitter or it could be your you know folks at the coffee shop but once you get a part of this community I think that is where the light bulb went off when I started to realize hey I'm not the only one here enjoying coffee all these other people are enjoying coffee too and it's bringing us all together and that realization is what helped me to to kind of see beyond the cup in my hand and start to actually think about you know this is coffee here you know how what is coffee like at origin what is coffee to the farmers right um and I think what really 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 kind of I was able to wrap my head around it was the, the film about coffee. And I believe, Jesse, we actually went and saw that together. Yeah, we went
1: and saw it together, before again, before the podcast.
0: And that covers... It was very well done, but it it covers a lot of... Ground. It covers a lot of grounds. <laughs> no, you didn't get, laugh at that. <laughs> um, no. And it, and it helped put an actual picture in your mind and you realize wow, there's something else out there. These are people. These are lives. And that's when it all started to begin to kind of unravel for me so as far as traceability and uh, sustainability goes. At
1: this, at this rate, just to draw some, some parallels in our stories at this point, we both talked about how science, the scientific side of things, really kind of got us hyped up about coffee. What um, we also highlight is the community. Uh, round coffee that just seems to just constantly thrive. Yeah. Um, and then now you're talking about what I think is a major proponent to sustainability, which is talking about it. And I mean, you just said, you know, a film about coffee was inspiring, you know, or got you thinking about those things. It wouldn't have been there if men and women didn't come together and say, Hey, let's make a film about this, because they talked a lot. They talked a lot about sustainability. I feel like in that video.
0: Yeah. Well. Well, they covered a, specifically they covered a traceability, lot. traceability. I think yeah. really was was putting a, a face behind the the bean.
1: Right. So the so the emphasis there being, if you know, they talked about it, and here we are now talking about it. I just want to make sure that we're making these connections and and drawing out important conclusions about, you know. I'm not saying this is just good enough to to cause sustainability to to
0: thrive, but... No, but what it did do was it created this romantic view of coffee... In your head. In my head. Right. Which led me to just fall deeper in love with it, more passionate about it, and more driven by coffee. So...
1: What... Let's kind of, let's kind of jump around here. What, you know, you ended up working for a trading company, you know, after that, sometime after that, right? You weren't working there then.
0: No, at the time I was still a barista.
1: What major eye opening moment have you had maybe uh, at the trading company and in, in light of like a, where does coffee come from all that? And what did it solidify in your head?
0: I think working at a trading company was one of the biggest eye-openers for me as far as the way I think about traceability. Um, And I say that because when you are put in the position of being essentially the middleman between exporters at origin and roasters At the state, um, you can see how the story kind of gets lost. At least for me, it did. Because. What do you mean by this story? Because at the time when I was really thinking about, you know, the romantic view of sustainability and traceability, and oh, this cup of coffee is doing good, you know, I always pictured that every coffee has this incredible story and it was the story which caused me to fall in love with coffee Um, and then when I started trading coffee as a commodity or working for a, a company that trades coffee as a commodity you begin to see that not every coffee has such a story. In a way, every coffee does have a story, but not quite the one that I had in my head at the time. And I remember a lot of the eye-opener events I had working at, or I I have had when I first started working for a trading company, was. was almost that, it was uh, talked up, maybe.
1: What? What do you mean? What was talked up?
0: <laughs> no, let's get into the heart of it, there, huh? <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. It was a. Uh, it was a little bit like heartbreaking in a way. Seeing how, you know, like this, this, this craft, this science, this art, this, you know, community-building, good-doing product was treated in a not-so-special way. Okay. So, what... Yeah, go ahead. And, you know, seeing and and realizing how uh, coffee is purchased and sold and that's when I started to start asking the questions about coffee farmers and how they can manage in such a harsh environment that is the uh, you know New York futures and then I started to realize that they they don't really strive um at least not how i thought they were i thought that coffee was a means to you know change lives for the better mhm and what was the big thing for me was how small of an actual effect each cup of coffee has on the actual lives of the farmer, which is what I was led to believe from the start.
1: Right, is is that it what, was almost like,
0: like pushed down, um, in front of my face that like every cup of coffee I'm drinking is doing good and help bringing uh, these families out of poverty and you know, building the economy, and I literally thought that it was just all good. And changing lives. Right. And when I realized that wasn't so much the case, almost this little bit of despair kicked in. I was like, well, if this isn't cutting it, what will? And that what will question is still what I believe to most of us in the coffee industry ask ourselves every day. What will?
1: So... Just to, just to kind of bring it all together here, uh, as we're at the end here, what, what, what is the question? <laughs> what can we do? I mean, what can we really do? Or rather, let me ask a totally different question. Do we really care about sustainability as people in the industry? That's a question for myself, for you, for our listeners. Do we really care? And if we say we really care, then what are we doing? Because I really... We have to wonder, you know, is raising awareness really the only thing we can do? It's talking it, about the only thing we can do.
0: You know, I think it's just... It's funny how I got so caught up into coffee... And I fell face first in love with coffee to the point where it led me to this realization that, you know, in like I still love coffee. Uh, it's my passion. It's my enthusiasm. It's what gets me up out of bed every single day. But my love of coffee has brought me to this point of. You know, uh, it's on
1: your face, but I don't think our listeners can see your face. <laughs> and if they can, that's I
0: guess it's going like right, right to the heart of the, the issue. It says, I am I, so in love with coffee that I see the problems we are being faced with today. I see the problems that the producers are being faced with today i see the problems that the small holders are being faced with today and when you love something so much and you you see how large the opposition is you know you uh it's like david and goliath <laughs> well i mean when you i
1: think when you start to talk about things like coffee in the big picture coffee and people from every part of the chain it's not a when there's a problem in the chain it's it can not really be a small one when you're dealing with a commodity as large as coffee and so many hands are involved you know it's going to seem like it is hovering or that it is massive what is what is terrifying more so than it being a a, a hard problem to f- fix or a hard one to understand is that so many people just walk around thinking and it's not necessarily their fault but they walk around thinking hey i bought a cup of coffee i'm helping the farm
0: i look back at it now and i think i would call it the honeymoon phase the honey (laughs) the honeymoon phase of your coffee journey wow but it was though you know it was it was when coffee was at its most romantic Yeah, I was gonna say you used the word romantic. It was romantic.
1: And typically this is life advice from Jesse Hartman here, but romanticism is it's never it's so dangerous. Yeah. Because it, it it's also helpful. I think romanticism is can be helpful, but when when you are, you know, head over heels for anything in life, um, you need to check your brain <laughs> And, and say now okay this is this is wonderful i'm enjoying this but let's really get down to earth here quite literally with coffee and is it going to be around or are farmers going to be able to um, make profits or like let's talk about the hard questions and not just get caught up in oh this is a beautiful rosetta thank you so much or oh here's a
0: beautiful rosetta i hope you really enjoy that rosetta like you know you know, but i n- now that i'm here enjoy those days you know no totally yeah enjoy in- that enjoy those moments with coffee because you know those are those are the those are the moments that will entice you and and bring you in and bring you a part of a community and uh, you know tug at those heartstrings at least a- for absolutely.
1: me absolutely absolutely um but i i also feel like there's a point at which, once we know, once we understand that um, that conversations like sustainability need to happen, we're responsible to not ignore it.
0: Especially after the relationship that you have with right. with coffee, and it becomes a, something that's you know deep in your heart, right, and on your mind. And come in full circle,
1: and something that we, we, you know, we say it almost on every podcast, but. You know, our focus is people, our language is coffee. Um, people are touching the coffee at every point in the chain. And there are lives that are affected by decisions um that you make. Yeah. Um and their decisions way back at the farm affect you. Right? Um, and so considering all uh, of these things and the kind of world we live in now, you know, versus say like a hundred years ago, hmm. like we live in a in a world economy, I mean, where, you know, the way a farmer makes their coffee affects your cup. Now, you can look at it like that, like, oh, yeah, okay, cool, I'll just buy a different coffee. But it's much bigger than that, right? Um, anyway, this, this conversation is way too big for one 30-minute episode. <laughs> We're just getting down
0: to the real talk here.
1: As getting you down know. to the real talk. Yeah. So, anyway... So we want to encourage you guys to let's continue these kinds of conversations on social media. We mentioned Instagram; it's a great outlet for that. Um, also, we have a website uh, www. org. Uh, you know, hit us up on there. We have also a submission form if you want a, to us to talk about a topic. Feel free to reach out to us. Say, hey, I want to learn about this, and we'll do our best to get it on the on the podcast.
0: Absolutely, and if you guys have a love story of regarding coffee i would yeah. love to, i would love to read it yeah actually i need my- some i need some encouragement <laughs> literally totally i feel like good. i just had a broke up, a breakup a br- a so. broke up? <laughs> we
1: feel so broken. <laughs> all right
0: you're listening to the coffee podcast where focus is people and our language is coffee